People eat because they're hungry. I want to make food that makes people stop eating. Everything's stupid. Cooking is an expression of who we are. Right now, we're two stars. Both of us. It's a two-star review. Now, we can keep on cooking and be interesting, but I want people to sit at that table and be sick with longing. And I need you in order to do that. Welcome to the Eat Your Content Podcast. I am your host, Rich Herrera. Thank you for tuning into this little podcast. You have many podcasts to choose from, but you chose this one, so I appreciate that. A couple of programming reminders. This is uh, a second in our series of Eat Your Content Refire, where we go and uh, go back and listen to some uh, or watch some older movies, and, and I get some friends gathered around to talk about it and see how it holds up after a few years. It's, it's been a fun series. If you missed the first one, we talked about uh, Chef starring John Favreau back in 2014. Um, so if you missed that podcast, uh, check it out. It's archived anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, so make sure you like, follow, and subscribe so you're notified of any uh, new uh, episodes that come up. So uh, with me on the pod today uh, is food truck, well, former food truck maven, I'm sorry, uh, owner of Happy Grilled Cheese, owner and operator of Happy Grilled Cheese, and uh, mother of a rambunctious chihuahua at the moment. I wish you guys could all <laughs> oh see gosh. this. This he is won't stop. hilarious. <laughs> Just climbing all over you like you're a jungle gym. It's hilarious. He keeps like tangling in my headphone too. So like he was choking me for a second. I don't know what's <laughs> going on over here. Sorry. <laughs> so welcome to the pod, Brittany Lowry and, and her chihuahua, everybody. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rich. Appreciate your patience on that little, uh, I don't know how you kept like a straight voice while while that was going on. <laughs> it's years of meditation. Years of meditation. <laughs> Uh, okay, I think we're good now. Are we good? Are we settled? Yes. My, my, my dog's in the background doing something crazy. So he's doing that whole pillow fluffing thing. I don't know if your dog uh, does this, where he yeah. just gets on a pillow and just starts scratching the mess out of it and then like mm-hmm. does three circles and lays down. Yep. Yeah, he's he's doing that at the moment. So, uh, so we are talking about uh, a movie that I don't know a lot if a lot of people have seen. Um, I tripped on it. Uh, on Amazon Prime, and for whatever reason, I just watched it, and I thought it was really interesting, to say the least, and I, I really wanted to talk to somebody about it, so we're talking about Burnt. This movie came out in 2015. Um, it was, I don't know, we're, we're going to talk about it, so let me run down some of the stats here. So it was directed by John Wells, it was written by Stephen Knight, uh, it was produced by the Weinstein Company. Uh, yes, that Weinstein. Uh, Harvey Weinstein was a producer. We're going to talk about um, his heavy hand in this movie here in a, in a minute. Uh, chef consultants were Mario Batali and Gordon Ramsay. You can also see their thumbprint on this movie as well. Um, so the budget of the movie is relatively low budget. It was $20 million. Uh, in the box office, it uh, pulled in $36.6 million, so it was a profit. Uh, but audiences and critics just ripped it a new one. It got a 28% Rotten Tomato score and a 45% audience score. So that was pretty horrible. Uh, the cast, though, is a top-notch cast. A lot of a lot of good-looking people in this cast. You have Bradley Cooper um, as Adam Jones. Uh, fun side note, he also played a chef in the 2005 kind of dramedy Kitchen Confidential based on Anthony Bourdain's best-selling book. Um, it made it four episodes before it was canceled. So I, th- I thought that was interesting. Sienna Miller plays Helene. Daniel Brohl uh, plays Tony. Uh, Ricardo 
I'm going to mess this up, Scamarcio, uh, who was the big bad guy in John Wick 2, if you've seen that one. He played Max Omar Sy as Michelle, Sam Keeley as David, other big name appearances, Matthew Rise, he's from The Americans, um, played Montgomery Reese, Emma Thompson was Dr. Rothschild, <clears throat> and Uma Thurman was Simone, uh, played Simone Forth. So here's the Cliff Notes plot. So Adam Jones uh, apparently was a chef at a very high restaurant in Paris. He was working under his mentor, Jean-Luc. And then apparently some drug use, bad behavior issues derailed him, and he was sent running from Paris. And he served uh, some sort of self-penance by shucking a million oysters in New Orleans, uh, working towards sobriety. Um, And after that, he heads to London, and he's on a mission to earn his third Michelin star. So Brittany – what is your amuse bouche review of this movie? Your your I first initial thoughts. I hate this movie. Um, it's horrible. Like I wa- I only watched it for a second time because we were going to be talking about it. I laughed my way through the first time. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it. I I really like the I like the cast. I like I like uh you know um. Daniel Brawl, he's he's really great. Um, I really love Br- Bradley Cooper in just about anything else. Um, and I love Sienna Miller, but I hated all these people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't feel like there was really any redeeming characters at all. There was nobody for me to kind of root for. Um, it, it was just it, it and it had all the kitchen tropes in in one movie. Right. And and I don't understand how how it could have been so bad so so bad um it 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 was just real just even from the beginning so the movie opens up and it starts off with a monologue basically of how he got to louisiana and the story that he tells actually makes a more interesting movie than the movie that we watched like i would have Mm -hmm. loved to have seen him where he was at the top of his game and then hit his his bottom and then kind of rise back to relevance, but it's, he just tells this whole like monologue. It's, it, it's show don't tell. I, I hate exposition dumps in movies and this, that's yeah. exactly what this was. So I don't know. It, it was really bad. So he's, he's shucking oysters in uh, new Orleans and apparently it was supposed to be a self-reflection of him becoming a better person. But I don't know if that took because the moment he shucked that millionth oyster, he's out. He abandons right. his job. Leaves everybody behind. I'm like, what lesson did you really learn, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what did you think of that? You, from the very beginning, what, what were you thinking about some of those things? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was weird that that was the area you choose if you're a drug addict or, you know, any other type of addict. Going to New Orleans isn't the best place to go do your penance. Um, I mean... It just walking out on, I mean, a million oysters is going to take a long time. So walking out on what you would assume would be some sort of relationship built with the staff, unless he was just jumping around working from place to place. But, you know, it's going to take ages to do a million oysters years. Yeah. And everybody's like, hey, man, where are you going? Right. Okay. So you're you're already down the wrong path by just leaving your crew hanging which yeah. is kind of horrible yeah so, so apparently he walks to the airport to fly to london and i was mm-hmm. reading one person's review uh on rotten tomatoes apparently he was walking the wrong way on that bridge to the airport which that which i thought was hilarious me. yeah 
<laughs> I didn't notice that, but that, well, also the airport has moved since that movie. So I guess it would depend on when you watched it, but either way, yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. So uh, after he gets to London, he runs, he goes into this hotel called the Langham and it's run by um, his, his old maitre d' at the Paris restaurant that he worked at. Um, but now it's the manager, Tony, which is Daniel Brühl's character. And he greets his old friend by immediately ripping into the hotel food, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is something, you know, you always want to see an old friend to, to do that. Uh, and then Tony explains, you know, after he disappeared, uh, Jean-Luc had to close the restaurant. Now he's on, in bad health. He didn't realize all that was going on in, in the three years that he's been missing. And then he proclaims, um, Adam says, you know what, I'm going to take over your restaurant. I... I what how many things are wrong here in, in in terms of seeing this this movie play out just in the first opening few minutes all of it i mean who would hire somebody back like that and i mean it, it kind of delves into the relationship between him and the restaurant or the hotel manager later but that's weird to me like it seems like an unnecessary detail that the hotel manager has like a crush on bradley cooper's character like that yeah. misplaced like just shoved in there um so i i mean under the circumstances in which he left i don't think anybody would hire him back and then hiring him back with that attitude i don't know none of that's redeeming but there isn't anything redeeming in this movie. So I guess let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. So that relationship that you mentioned, I, I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it. Like I was watching it, but I, I didn't think that it was like that kind of a crush. I thought it was m- more, I guess, brotherly or platonic. And then I watched it the mm-hmm. second time through and I was like, oh, he like mm-hmm. likes him, likes him, you know, right, <laughs> kind, of, right. kind of in that sense. I was like, okay, okay. So yeah, so he 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 proclaims he's going to take over the restaurant, and then from this point forward, for about the first act of the movie, I kind of equated it to a sports movie. It's like, so Adam Jones is this old retired like ball player, and he's he's trying to gain relevance again in, in the sport that he used to play. So now he's going around assembling his old team together, right? So yeah, he he stops at uh, at an old friend's restaurant. Uh, his name is Conti. And he runs into his first, I don't know, like draft pick for his team uh, in the form of Helene. And he goes in and, and actually tells Conti that this is the best pasta that he's ever eaten. But then mm-hmm. goes back there and then tells her how she's doing it wrong. Right. So this mm-hmm. is, again, your first impression of this this up, up and coming sous chef. Um, you're meeting this apparently supposed to be a, a big time chef and he's just ripping you about your pasta. And immediately she hates him. Right. So. Right. Justifiably so. Yeah. Immediately hates him and totally understand that. So, you know, they they part ways and and then he runs to Michelle, which is apparently uh, an old chef that he worked with um, back in Paris. But then Michelle split off and he started his own restaurant and apparently Adam sabotaged it out of jealousy. Called mm-hmm. the health department about some about rats that after he released the rats, he called the health inspector and ended up getting Michelle's restaurant shut down. <sighs> That's ridiculous. Like, right. I mean, it, I, I can't imagine rivalry being so bad. I know the food industry is is tough and there's a lot of competition everywhere, but nobody's going to do that. I, I, no. I wouldn't think I would think customers might do that. 
<laughs> That's fair. I can't summon up even a tenth of the amount of energy it would take to hate somebody that much in the restaurant industry. <laughs> right. And and the worst thing about this interaction with Michelle and Adam is Adam apparently was so drunk or high at the time, he doesn't even remember doing it. Uh-huh. So for, for Michelle, this, this happened like yesterday to him. But Adam, through the excuse of addiction, was like, I, I don't remember. Like, sorry? Question mark? Mm-hmm. You know? But for whatever reason, they make up. You know, they have a little fist fight in the alley, and they make up. And Michelle's like, hey, I heard you were going through your third Michelin star, which I guess news travels fast like that in, in yeah. high-end food circles. Like, nobody's heard from me for three years. You in, are in London for one day, and all of a sudden, 15 chefs find out that you're going for a Michelin right. star. With no business plan and like, you know, no money behind it yet or anything like that. But sure, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, his business plan was, uh, I'm going to take an existing infrastructure. I'm not even going to do it myself. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take it. So, okay, he's got his first chef in in Michelle. Um, And then uh, let's see. So a couple of interesting things. They head back to the hotel. Um, But Tony, you know, trying to uh, trying to not have this bad influence, I guess, in his life again, kicks him out of the hotel for Mm -hmm. non-payment. And let's see. So, and and at this point, we don't really know the relationship between them two. Um, All we know is that David looks to, uh, um, I'm sorry, that, that Tony kind of, there's a relationship there. We don't know what it is. Um, So he kicks him out of the hotel. And so Adam is, is running around the streets of London now trying to find a place to stay. And he runs into a young chef named David, uh, at a street food stall, which the street food scene actually looked really good. There was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of good food being made there, but we don't know how Adam knows David. Like he walks into a stall and the guy says, "How can I help you?" He's like him. Like how does he know him? There, there's no, there's nothing telling us what the relationship that's been established. All we know is that David looks to Adam as some sort of hero. Mm-hmm. And then as they have this conversation, kind of want to talk to you about this. So um, David says to Adam, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of my culinary hero. And Adam, as he's eating the food, says hero or God. And then he asks him, would you work for me for nothing? Would you pay me to would you pay me to work for me? Uh, and I thought, well, that's kind of dumb. But then I thought, well, that's he's he's basically describing an internship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a stage of some degree. Yeah. Um, a stage, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he tells David, it says, your food is fantastic, but you lack arrogance. If you work in my kitchen, you have to defend yourself. I don't know. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. I mean, everybody can work together and, and not have to feel like they have to defend themselves all the time to to coworkers. I don't know. What was your take on that? Um, I mean, I feel like kitchens really aren't aggressive like that anymore. That was kind of more that like 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s kitchen culture of like that very abusive, um, dominant chef. And that's just not, I don't know, like, I, I think we've moved on from that as a society, or I would hope so at least. But um you definitely don't see it as much. Uh, I read a book recently that it was about like a, it was a Mater D's story, essentially. Um, let me look up the name of it. But it um, really delved into that culture back in like the 80s of just violently 
running kitchens and restaurants and the complete just fighting and arguing and the sex and the drugs and everything was so rampant. Um, it's called your table is ready. Um, and it's a guy's story that was in New York, um, in that restaurant scene, but yeah, you don't really see it talked about anymore. Hopefully we've moved on. Yeah. And you know, and Adam, Adam Bourdain in his book, no reservations, he, he talks about how the kitchen was like the wild west, you know, just anything, yeah. anything goes. Um, so to see that in this movie in 2015 and then watching it in 2023, you know, he's basically describing, you know, you're going to work in a toxic environment. You just need to be able to take it. And then well, that's, I not, will that's say, not where we live now. No. And I think like toxic to a degree. Yes. Because the hours are ridiculous in most restaurants. Um, you know, we kind of discussed previously that it does take a toll on your family, but not toxic anymore. And this, I mean, just incredibly abusive boss re employee relationship. Right, right. So Adam's kicked out of his hotel. So he ends up staying at David's flat. Again, how do we know these guys? How do, how do we, how do they know each other? And how do you right. feel comfortable with letting what to us looks like a stranger, uh, stay at, at your house. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So Adam is uh, intent on snagging Helene. So he he asked her to meet him at, a, I guess, what is a Burger King or a fast food place uh, and asked her to, to to work for him. And she declines, mm -hmm. uh, declines again. And I, I thought it was interesting that scene where, where he says, why are you why are you talking bad about this kind of food? This, you know, the, the food that you're talking bad about was is the food that you're that peasants ate back in the day and now you're making fancy so i you know i thought that was kind of an interesting scene of of uh, describing fast food why do people like it because it's cheap and consistent and mm -hmm. and then but then he turns around and says and consistency is what kills you right so um as we talk about the the fine dining aspect of it all so after Helene turns down again, it's basically him kind of bouncing around uh, all over London. He finds a prominent restaurant reviewer uh, in Simone Forth, who's Uma Thurman's character, um, and he's talking to her. And then the next scene shows her walking into the Langham Hotel's restaurant, and Tony, the hotel manager, starts panicking uh, and turns around and sees Adam standing there. And Adam says, your restaurant is done unless you let me cook for it. And it was all a manipulation. He set that up to um, – force Tony into a corner and say, if you don't let me cook right now, she's going to review your food and butcher you in the paper and you're going to be shut down. Nobody's ever going to come to your restaurant again. Again, I kind of go back to, he was supposed to be in New Orleans shucking a million oysters to be a better mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. How is this, how is this reflective of that? He's, he's the same person that he described himself before, except now he's sober. Right. And he like, I mean, it seems to just be amplified almost. <laughs> Yeah, now he's now he's conscious and aware that he's manipulating people, right? And, and, and that he's using people, and it makes it worse. And yes. so, yeah. So Tony acquiesces, and and of course, it's a movie. It all works out. the The restaurant gets a, a raving review uh, because of Adam's food, and and Tony gives him a job and a and a hotel room to stay in. Um, and Tony's family uh, agrees to front Adam the money to upgrade the restaurant. Um, but the job and the money is contingent on Adam going to therapy every Friday with Dr. Mm -hmm. uh, Ross Hildy, Emma Thompson's character. You know, he also has to do blood tests for drugs and alcohol. And if he test positive, the money and the job are gone. So he's fine with that because he's sober, 
right? But all these, all the money is there, and and now he has the infrastructure in place. So it was kind of, I don't know, handed to him in a sense. Didn't didn't quite mm-hmm. have to work for it after being out of the game for three years. And uh, yeah, gives everything to him. This what is where of more that? of that backstory would have been helpful pre New Orleans. Like, did he make this family? millions of dollars because of, you know, him helping them achieve the two Michelin stars or, you know, what was the come up before the come down so that we have some appreciation of his character? Because otherwise a lot of people are bending over backwards to satisfy this just jerk, like this unlikable human being. Yeah. Very egotistical, narcissistic human being. And everybody's mm-hmm. just like helping him. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're enabling him. Right. You know, he, he needs, he needs to go work at Burger King for a little while and, uh-huh. and humble himself. Cause and, the oysters didn't work. So let's try yeah, burgers. <laughs> clearly the oysters did nothing for his, for his winning personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after, uh, after a visit to the doctor and, and uh, setting the terms of, of the restaurant and everything, he heads over to Reese, which is a high-end restaurant that's run by uh, his rival, which was also a co-worker of his when they were in Paris working together. You don't find this out until later on, but um, it's his rival's name is Montgomery Reese, and Reese's restaurant looks like, I don't know, like a laboratory. It's it's mm-hmm. very, you know, stark white starch, you know, it's very clean, um, and it's a lot of molecular gastronomy. Um, and, and the visit just seems to be like, I'm antagonizing you uh, to tell you I'm, I'm back. Right. And, and I'm, right. I'm going to throne you. Um, and here too, apparently Adam hates sous vide cooking. And this is kind of a running gag through the movie where he, he calls sous vide cooking. You're cooking it in condoms and boiling in water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I sous vide cook. It, it's kind of idiot proof. I like it. You know, it, it makes me a better chef than, than I have any reason to be <laughs> be, <laughs> because it, it just makes it easy and perfect every time. And you get consistent right. results every time, but he apparently hates that. And that could be the reason why I don't know, but. Well, uh, I mean, I think it does take some of the skill out of it because you don't learn the technique of, dealing with the protein or whatever it may be, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of get that to a degree, but not for it to be the hill you die on, but granted, I also would die on the hill of my eggs being poached strong. So I guess everybody <laughs> has their thing, <laughs> but the relationship between him and Reese is my favorite relationship. And I'm saying favorite very loosely because it's on a scale of zero to zero, but, um, uh, in the movie, it because they're just their relationship actually evolves. I feel like in kind of a meaningful way. Like you see the bickering, but you can tell there's still respect for each other. Um, and then later in the movie, you know, obviously when they have their little redeeming moment in the kitchen, um, you can see that there's foundation built. Yeah, there's still there's still a respect there, even though mm-hmm. they, they kind of hate each other at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, at a low moment in Adam's life that we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, he's, he's there for him to literally pick him up off the floor. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you there. That was probably the, the most meaningful relationship out of all the relationships that we see in, in the movie. So uh, Adam heads to meet an old, uh, another old sous chef of his named Max, who apparently went to prison uh, and he was serving a stint for assaulting a chef for plating monkfish upside down three times, <laughs> which is which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever mm-hmm. heard of. 
but you know, if, if you're, you know, that kind of person, you're like, look, I told you three times that you're plating this wrong. Now I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. Right. <laughs> I just thought that was ridiculous. I always told, I always tell my wife, I'm like, look, if I'm going to go to jail, I'm going to make it worth it. Like, I'm going to be, no, that's not worth it. There's going to be a true crime documentary about me (laughs) if I ever go to jail because punching somebody for, for something simple like that is, is just dumb. Uh, So he's ride or die with Adam. And now he's, he's almost got his team together. So we're, we're working, still working towards that. Um, but Adam's past catches up with him and the Paris drug dealers he fled finds out that he's in London uh, via email, apparently. <laughs> they send an email to the restaurant and says, hey, uh, you got this guy working for you. He owes me money. So, um, yeah. That, that was that an whole... unnecessary storyline. The drug dealers like trying yeah. to get the money back. None of that even needed to be put in the movie. It hadn't it didn't progress the plot. Nothing. You could you could have taken that whole thing out and it would have been it would have been in the same movie. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you only get to see the the, the actual drug dealers for a, a few minutes, but it's supposed to be this, I don't know, over hanging over his head threat, the entire movie that never really materializes into anything. Um, so I was just like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So the, the remodel of the restaurant's complete and the name of the restaurant is Adam Jones at the Langham. So you kind of see, you kind of see that there with the, this, this is going to be um, all about me, apparently. Little narcissistic personality <laughs> disorder there. <laughs> Little narcissistic. I mean, Reese names his restaurant after himself, which is his last name, but mm-hmm. Montgomery Reese. But I don't know. That seems different. Like you're putting your first and last name uh, on the thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is what I want people to know. That's not about the restaurant or the food. It's about, about me. Um, so then we cut to the scene where Helene is, is running a little bit late. You know, she's a, a single mom trying to balance a, a, a intense career being a chef with being a mom and she's late. She has to take her kid to school and she's late. And as soon as she walks in, Conti fires her. And we come to find out that it was a, again, a manipulation by Adam, um, that Conti's going to fire her and, and work for him. They made some sort of deal to do that. And he, and Adam promises to triple her salary. So I was, I was kind of doing the math in my head because it's going to be interesting. Later on, she gets thrown out of Adam Jones's kitchen and says, I'm going to double your salary, but it was already tripled. So mm-hmm. I'm like, so you're, you're, let's just say you're making, I don't know, 10, just for the ease of math, you're making 10 bucks an hour as a, as a sous chef or whatever. And then you triple it. So now you're 30 and then you double it and it's 60. So you're making 60 bucks an hour as, as a, as a sous chef. I wish. Yeah, I know, right? Is that your salary? No, no, <laughs> far from it. Uh, so she has nowhere else to go and, and no other job. So she takes it, but opening night's a disaster. Um, a journalist got an advance look at the menu, wrote a headline that says, Old Kitchen Devil Fails to Shock. As a result of that, people were canceling reservations before, you know, on opening night. And then he gets into full verbal abuse mode on this one. And this scene where he starts ripping into everybody, you know, you watch Hell's Kitchen, and this is where Gordon Ramsay's fingerprint is on this. Mm -hmm. You watch an episode of Hell's Kitchen, and it looks a lot, a lot like that. And I was thinking, this is everything wrong with with working in a kitchen. And, you know, I, I was really kind of uncomfortable, especially watching him when he puts his hands on Helene. And like grabs her shirt and like, sh- and, and is shouting right in her face. Mm-hmm. 
I, I was really disturbed watching that. Like it, I reacted viscerally to it. Uh, what did you think of that whole scene? Yeah. I mean, just as like an employer and I just, I don't even yell at my employees. I mean, no matter what they do, like it, it, even when I'm firing people in the past, I don't yell at my employees. Um, and they know if I get very quiet and deadly calm, that that's my worst state, <laughs> you know, that's, that's when you've gotten to the point of no return. Um, but I just can't imagine treating someone like that, that I'm, I have trying to help me build my business. Like your employees are your backbone. I, I don't know. You can't run without them. So what are you doing? And just throwing stuff and breaking things. And it's, it's such a bizarre scene. Yeah. It, like I said, Gordon Ramsay's he's kind of known for doing that. I don't, I, I don't know if it's part of his just character, but you know, Hell's Kitchen is, uh, he, he kind of turned abuse in the kitchen into a, uh, a joke, right? You, mm-hmm. you kind of laugh at Hell's Kitchen that he's calling all these people donkeys and idiots. But when you see it in, a, in an actual workplace setting, as this is portraying it, it is really disturbing. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, the way he tosses Helene out of his kitchen and basically roughhousing her after spending so much time to woo her to work for him just seemed counterintuitive. Like you just spend all this time trying to get her to work in your kitchen. You get her into the kitchen in a moment of her life where she just got fired from another kitchen. So she's working under stress. And then you basically fire her on the spot. And and she, of course, walks out. So uh, the next day he, he tries to get her back. Right. Uh, or Tony actually does. He, he goes back and says on behalf of Adam and says, look, he, he's he, he really wants you back, and I'm willing to – we talked about it earlier. I'm, I'm willing to double your salary. Well, he already tripled it. Well, I'll, I'll double that. Yeah. And this was you know, kind of a stereotypical like abusive relationship. Like he abused her the night before. 100% of us, yes. Abused her the night before, comes crawling back. He's like, I'm sorry, baby. Please come back. I didn't mean mm-hmm. it. That's not me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's why it was so disturbing to watch, especially the second time around when I watched it again, knowing what was going to happen. I was just – I was – there's no way I'm rooting for this guy. Like, no. why, why are you, why are you putting him in the protagonist role that we're supposed to get behind? And and the thing is, Helene is our audience POV, right? Cause she's the new, she's the new character that doesn't know Adam, doesn't know the, his past or anything. So she's our surrogate right. for, for this movie. And we're watching it from kind of her point of view. And, and you're expecting me to, like this guy i wanted to punch him in the face i was like there's right. no way there's no way i'll go work somewhere else for nothing before i before i subject myself to that again um but apparently she goes back and you know nothing to lose essentially and she go, calls adam's menu uh and cooking old-fashioned and she comes back with a sous vide machine and uh you know what do we know the sous vide food comes out perfect restaurants fully booked again and I think what made me so upset is everything seemed to work out for this guy and I, I didn't want it to. <laughs> no. And it, well, and also it works out because of a sous vide machine. Like you don't see him change the menu, the items, you know, he's still talking about using the same fish and the same proteins and everything like that. But because you're sous videing them now, your menu is not boring you know, or now it doesn't fail to impress. I, it didn't make any sense to me. No, it did not make any sense to me either. Uh, but, you know, a new review comes in and apparently they review this restaurant 
back to back. I don't, right. I don't even think that's a thing. It's you, know, not. You, you let that one review go and, and that's that's the lasting impression. I don't think you ever called. I don't know. Maybe you called him back. I don't know. They don't show it, but it, it, it was just all ridiculous. It was just all far fetched. Uh, but the new headline says Adam Jones at the Langham surprises and delights. And of course, Reese. The, the next scene is Reese is reads the review and he's destroying his restaurant. The uh, you know and mm-hmm. <laughs> like look your 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 competition gets a good review. There's no need to cause thousands of dollars worth of damage to your right. very expensive restaurant. Right. Everything was just so over dramatized, over dramatized and over acted in some senses. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was just it was just all really 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 bad (laughs) yeah and i mean how much money do these people have to waste where they can just be destroying stuff all the time like every restaurant i know is on such a tight but maybe this is because it was pre-covid you know we had (laughs) these restaurants had money but now it's like no don't use too many towels today oh my gosh (laughs) you know how much paper towels cost (laughs) (laughs) so like you know they're destroying 20 dollar plates one at a time like that's it's i don't know it's they ask you to suspend reality a lot in this movie and you just get exhausted doing it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and they portray fine dining in this particular scene as, as some sort of like zero sum game, right? If somebody's winning, then, then somebody has got to be losing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not the case. You know, we, we all, it's, it's, it's just not the way it goes, but you know, I guess when you have that hatred of somebody so much, then if you see them winning, then I, I guess you feel like you're losing, even though you're not. He, it, he, Reese, for all intents and purposes, is the winning chef. He's got more accolades, more customers. He gets mm-hmm. one good review. Adam Jones gets one good review, and all of a sudden his world feels like his world's come crumbling down. I, right. I don't know. Um, one thing that, that I thought was interesting is at some point, Adam and Helene decide to – just start working together yeah. for very long hours right. and spend a lot of time together. And and I know what they're doing, right? They're they're trying to establish a romantic link between the two um, through montages of cooking long into the night, into the next morning when the staff's coming in and they're they're talking in, in the kitchen and and the I feel like this is kind of the quote of the movie where where Adam says, I don't want my restaurant to be a place where you come and eat. We should be dealing in culinary orgasms. People eat because they're hungry. I want to make food that makes people stop eating. Cooking is an expression of who we are. Right now, we're two stars. That was the review. Right now, we're two stars. Now we can keep on cooking and be interesting, but I want people to sit at that table and be sick with longing. That's that's a very pretentious quote about food, I, I thought. like for, for It's me, not I mean, even I, a good quote. It doesn't like get you thinking or be like, oh yeah, you know, I feel that. Like it's not even a good quote. It's it's not it's it's philosophical to the wrong audience. Like if you're trying to portray this to a, a mainstream audience, no one looks at food like that uh, mm-hmm. other than very very high end chefs, right? You know, I w- when I cook for people, I I cook because I I love them and I want them to be fed and I want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where my day job is uh, is a call center manager at an office, and I bring in food trucks twice a month. Mm-hmm. And and I don't do this. I, I, the goal for me bringing in food trucks is I want my people happy. I want my my office to be um, fed and happy because a fed and happy crew is a productive crew. Right. So. 
it, it was just so such a pretentious quote, and I think sums up this movie um, perfectly. This this movie, it, this quote is just is is just so so wrong on so many levels. Like I want people to be sick with longing. I, this is not why you, you cook food for people. You want them to be to be happy and to be fed and to come back. I would love to know what writer or producer or director wanted that quote in that movie. You know, like, why did they feel that way? Why did they write that down and think, oh, this is, this is it. This is going to resonate. Yeah. This this is the, this is the linchpin of the movie right here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So Adam and Helene spend long hours. They're trying to perfect the menu. um, and, And then we cut to a scene where they break down the Michelin star process. And so I, I kind of want to run this down. I was always I'm always interested in the Michelin, the Michelin star thing, because I find it funny that the Michelin star guide was was started by a tire company mm-hmm. to market tires because they feel like if you're driving places, then you're going to use your tires. And the more you drive around looking for great places to eat, the more tires you're going to buy. And now the Michelin star system is is the granddaddy of of all restaurant things mm-hmm. that you want to get so <laughs> tony tony breaks down here's how the mission star process is do you know about the michelin it is a book it is the book yana the bible michelin sends its inspectors to restaurants to eat and award stars one two three or none no one knows who they are no one they come they eat they go but they have habits they have to stick to a routine to give every restaurant the same chance Michelin men eat in pairs. Sometimes the Michelin man can even be a woman. They always book a table before 7.30. The first of the pair arrives early and has a drink at the bar. His partner arrives half an hour later. One orders the tasting menu, the other one a la carte, always. They order half a bottle of wine, they ask for tap water, they wear business suits, they're polite. But attention, they may place a fork on the floor under the table to see if you notice. And they wouldn't drop it because that could make a noise and make it too easy. Everything from now on must be perfect. Not good, not excellent. Perfect. If they find one single thing wrong, they will kill us. They will come for us soon. And then I I saw that and I rewound it a couple times. I listened to it. I said, that can't be for real. That sounds way too ridiculous. Uh, but I did some Googling and apparently it's true. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't believe it was true. I looked it up in a 2016 interview with WTOP, which is a news station in DC. Then Michelin director, um, Michelin guide director, Michael Ellis said that other than the part about the fork and the tap water, it's all true. They don't drop a fork or a knife. We don't make them drink tap water, uh, maybe in the U S but certainly in Europe, they order bottled water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out that the Michelin guide uh, worked with the movies, producers and writers in scripting this particular scene. Okay. So, crazy i i couldn't believe that that's all true but it apparently most of it was um i don't know if that's how it is now but back in 20 2015 um apparently that was the case well there have Uh, to be you know consistent benchmarks so i guess like a lot of it makes sense yeah 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 i just thought it was people that go out and almost like secret shoppers i I just Mm -hmm. thought they'd go in like in you know as regular customers and just rate what they get, you know, maybe they do order a la carte in a tasting menu just to get a variety of everything, but then they just taste everything and then write it up. I, I didn't realize it was so regimented. 
So how does that work? I wonder with the more casual places that wouldn't have a tasting menu that wind up with Michelin stars. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I was thinking maybe in 2016, this was the case, but um, as, as the years have gone by, Michelin started to become, I, I felt like Michelin was becoming irrelevant because you're only doing these high, di high fine dining areas and they started going to the more casual places and doing the Bibermond awards instead of the stars, mm -hmm. which are the, the good value, good food for good value. The Bibermond. And that right. opened up a lot more restaurants to be in the Michelin guide. So I don't know. I haven't read on how they actually. I tried to look up how they rate restaurants now, but there wasn't really a whole lot of information on how they do that. They keep it kind of locked down now. But for this movie, they opened it up and and said, "Here's how it goes." Uh, interesting fact about Michelin stars: Adam keeps talking about I'm going to earn my third, my third Michelin star. Well, the Michelin stars aren't awarded to chefs; they're awarded to right. restaurants. Mm -hmm. If the chef leaves the restaurant, the Michelin star stays with the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, but again, you know, you you see on TV, everybody says Michelin starred chef so right. and so. Well, you know, he's not a Michelin starred chef; he's just a mm -hmm. chef. The restaurant mm -hmm. is Michelin starred. So. Right. Uh, on one hand, I wanted to say, well, that's his narcissism again. But but in reality, this is how we look at chefs. Right. If, if you earn a Michelin star at a restaurant, you're forever Michelin starred, even though technically it's not theirs. Well, I think uh, it was that emergence of chefs as pop culture icons that probably led to that. Um, you know, pre-Food Network, no one really cared about chef personalities. Um, and then... Now, if you have, you know, tattoos and it's that stereotypical, you know, like your arms are crossed in the picture, like in your your chef picture or whatever to show off your culinary tattoos. And <laughs> you probably have like a knife tattoo and um, not saying that that's a bad thing because I've dated plenty of them. But it's uh, it, it's very stereotypical for like people to picture these celebrity personalities like that. So I think that giving them that Michelin starred chef name is just adding credence to this like iconic figure that people have elevated on a pedestal. Yeah. 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 I, I would agree with you there. So it, I, I just thought that was, that was really interesting. Um, so the next scene, uh, Helene asks Adam if she can take the day off for her daughter's birthday. So through, through these scenes, the, They've been bonding. Adam and, and Helene have been bonding and getting closer through working all these long hours. So she's like, you know, it's my daughter's birthday and I want to take the day off. And um, Adam's response is the problem with you being good is you become indispensable. And he says mm -hmm. no. Um, I, in, in the restaurant industry, that's that's tough, right? Asking for days so off. So toxic, like that. though. So, yeah. I mean, I've missed things, but so toxic. The way he the way he said that you're you're so good you're indispensable is almost like a backhanded compliment like mm -hmm. I can't afford to lose you because I don't I don't trust the rest of my staff to do what what you do or um, I'm gonna have to do the work that you do and I don't want to do it you exactly. know even for a day for your daughter but it also like he's alone he has no spouse he has no family he has no discernible friends so I guess there's I'm giving too much 
storyline to this character that doesn't even deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> we're giving way too much backstory that the movie right. maybe should have done itself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, doing, exactly. we're doing all the heavy lifting here, Brittany. We're, we're doing no all kidding. the heavy lifting. Get a little royalty check off of this. <laughs> <laughs> I want residuals. I want residuals, except nobody's playing it, so we're not going to get residuals. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, let's so, do a little disclaimer. We're not saying you should go watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. We're doing the heavy lifting. We, we watched this movie, so you didn't have to. So yes. if, if, it, if it comes up in your recommendations and your queue, skip it. You're because good. It's, you're good. You, you can live your life without having seen this movie, and you will still love Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. um, as Rocket the Raccoon in Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy. Um, and, and the great actor that he is in just about everything else. This is the one black mark on his on his resume that I'm going to say you may have uh, may have should have thought this one through. So um, after after this, we we see a scene um, uh, where doctor where he's doing his Friday appointment with the doctor. And uh, they talk about Adam's need for perfection and his pursuit of a Michelin star. Um, But the doctor also breaks some serious doctor-patient confidentiality. Apparently, she's Tony's Mm -hmm. therapist Mm -hmm. and informs Adam at this point that, hey, Tony's in love with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then that's cemented a few scenes later. I'm like, come on. I mean, not only were you not real in the restaurant scenes, but you have a therapist basically just taking her license and just tossing it in the trash. Just like, yep. you know what? I, I don't care about my certifications. I don't, I don't care about the London board of health or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to, just going to break t- doctor patient confidentiality by telling this guy about my patient. So, so ridiculous. I, I, I just cringe. Cringe is the only word I can <laughs> think of when I saw that. I'm like, did you really just do that? Like you're the worst. Uh, and then this is the first uh, – after that, we see the first family meal scene in the movie, um, which family meal we talked about before is a really important way for your team to bond. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives your um, you know, other chefs a chance to shine and, and mm-hmm. cook something for them and um, you know, try out new menu items. It's, it's just a great experimental pool of, of things to try and do, um, right. not only for the team building but for menu development and things like that. And Adam doesn't join him. He's off by himself. He's separated from the group. Doesn't even eat a plate and take it back to the office. He just does not. He is separated from and is above his people. And again, mm-hmm. that's that narcissism coming through that that I just did not appreciate. Like, go eat with your crew, man. You right. know, they all worship the ground you walk on. The least you could do is sit and talk with them and, and have a meal with them. What, what were you thinking about that when you just saw him just turn his back on everybody like that? It's just gross. Like, I mean, it, it's bad management behavior. It's just poor kitchen behavior. I mean, everything about it is it's just gross. Like, I, I I don't know. There's no redeeming scene in this movie where I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little bit better. That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Funny you should segue into that because the, the next scene is, is, I think, the scene where they try to make him look a little better. Where, you know, Helene asked if she could have the day off for her kid's birthday. Uh, he says no, so she has no choice but to bring her to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Tony's babysitting gladly babysitting uh helene's daughter and demands that adam make her a birthday cake right mm-hmm. so he comes out there to the restaurant everybody sees him um and it's a touching scene where he's, he's eating the birthday cake with her um 
but this is what I call the save the cat trope, or not what I call it, it's what it, it, the industry calls the save the cat trope. Do you know what that is? No. Have you heard of that before? So the save the cat trope in screenwriting is if you want to make somebody likable, you have them save a cat. No. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> it I was did. mad that like he couldn't have baked and cooled the cake to ice it in time for that to have been realistic. That the that made me mad. So I couldn't even be happy that he was bonding with the kid because I was like, there's no way that cake was cooled off enough for him to ice it and have it ready. <laughs> yeah, the, the time frame there between when they demanded the cake and when she was finished eating to mm-hmm. have the cake presented to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not uh, not realistic at all. But I saw this scene and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the save the cat trope. And it came way too late because I hate you so much already. <laughs> you bake this kid a cake and you're and you're all like, you know, nice to her and, and everything. And it's 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 too late. It's too late. It's too late. But we also don't know the kid enough to really care. And I mean, it was kind of funny seeing the kid say, like, I've had better cake like that. I mean, that was good. Like somebody needs yeah. to knock him down or, you know, a rung on the ladder. But I mean, the kid isn't necessarily likable because she's barely she was two seconds in when she forgot her shoes, you know, like that. Yeah. We haven't met this child. Yeah, we haven't come to care enough about the kid. Uh, they just the filmmakers take for granted that because it's a kid, we're just automatically going to be invested. Mm-hmm. And but I don't know this kid. I don't I don't know the character. And, um, and and then you want me to believe that because Adam does this one nice thing that he's somehow a better person because of it. Right. And it's. Yeah, it it didn't work on me. I almost hated him more. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is going downhill. Uh, so Reese invites Adam to the restaurant relaunch. So I guess Reese uh, cleaned up his restaurant, and mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, Adam invited uh, is invited to Reese's restaurant uh, relaunch and said he should bring a date to help keep him in line. Um, and and that's when Adam. Uh, that's when it's revealed to Adam that Tony is in love with him because because Tony brings the invite and says, hey, you can bring somebody. And he says, who, you? And then he was kind of, I guess, hoping he would say yes. And then we realized, uh, OK, you you are in love with me and I don't know what to do with that information right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ends up taking Helene to the party uh, and then promptly runs into his ex from Paris and Marie. Um, who Adam abandoned in Paris when he was running from drug dealers. And, and apparently they were both kind of on drugs at this at, together at the same time. Again, I don't know because we don't, we don't know anything about this, this girlfriend that uh, ex-girlfriend that apparently no. was Jean Luc's daughter that we're supposed to care about. And the, it's another unnecessary part of the storyline. And I know she's kind of like tied to the drug dealers and that comes up again later, but still we could have completely gone without him ever encountering the ex and it wouldn't have changed the movie. Yeah. So this ex informs Adam that, that Jean Luc, his mentor, um, wanted him to have his knives, uh, his knife roll. And apparently this makes Adam just abruptly leave the party. I, I don't know if he just realized, I, I, I don't know what emotions are going through him by saying, okay, you can, my, my dad told me you, you need to have his knife rolls. He's bequeathing these to you. And I, I guess the, that show of emotion, this one moment of emotion was overwhelming to him and he just leaves mm-hmm. and, and leaves Helene there. Um, Helene finds him at the fish market the next morning and he shares a bit of background about how he was in Paris and working 20 hour days, six days a week. 
Um, and the, the one little vulnerable moment that we see of Adam through this movie, and then they kiss. Stupid. <laughs> that kiss was not earned. You, you no. didn't earn, you didn't earn that kiss, Helene and Adam. You mm-hmm. didn't, mm-hmm. You, you're supposed to, you're supposed to make me believe that this chemistry was building throughout the, the, the movie. And, and then Helene just forgets about everything that he's done to her up until this point and just kisses him. I, I don't understand. I don't either. I don't uh, and then the kiss is ruined by the Paris drug dealers and he leaves with them. So apparently they're, they're the Paris drug dealers catch up with them and he has to take a ride in, in their car. Um, How much money then, does he owe these guys? I don't think that was ever established, but apparently it's enough, a, a lot. Enough to just completely beat him down every 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then he, he does reappear hours later, beaten to a pulp. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't see anything of this. Again, what you were saying is we could have removed all of this and it mm-hmm. would have been the same movie. I, I don't get a sense of we know that he owes drug dealers money, but I don't get the sense of how severe it is or anything, you know. So he just comes back to the restaurant, um, just broken and, and beaten, um, which, of course, is perfect plot timing because according to one of the, the waiter or the wait staff, the Michelin men are, arrive. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they spot some of those key things that we talked about earlier. One person arrived at the bar. Another person arrived half hour later and they see a fork on the floor um, and, and like Lazarus from the grave. Adam all of a sudden can get up and cook. Mm-hmm. Really? Poorly, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, the, the music comes on and everybody's working. Things are looking good. Adam's plating at the pass. Everyone's going in the same direction. Ethereal music is playing. And you think this is it. He's going to he's going to get his uh, um, his Michelin star. So Tony comes in and says they finish their starters. Um, Adam starts plating the mains. Um, he's obsessing over it. He's he's tweezering it. And, and uh, Michelle, uh, the 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 chef that he uh, uh, sabotaged years earlier, um, brings up the dish in the jar. I don't remember what that was, uh, but it was some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of jar thing. And then you, you eat it with a spoon. It looked like some sort of a pudding or something that goes with the mains. Um, Adam asks Michelle if it's perfect. Michelle says yes, and he, he trusts him. He doesn't taste the jar, which is a pivotal point here. He lets the plates go. Adam waits nervously. And about a minute later, Tony comes back with both plates saying the diners said it was too spicy. Adam can't believe it. He tastes it himself. And dun, 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 Michelle shows he has cayenne pepper all on his hand. And then he drops the mic and walks out. So Michelle, my man, Michelle played the long con. The yeah, long for con. years. Mm-hmm. So he was waiting for his opportunity mm-hmm. to sabotage uh, Adam Jones at the perfect moment. And this was it. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean... 10 out of 5 revenge stars though. Like I hope <laughs> that I can replicate that level of revenge one day. <laughs> I mean the the patience, the patience and the preparation and just going to sleep every night knowing the next day could be the day. Mm-hmm. You know, that I I will give him props for that. That was that was the longest of long cons cuz he's been thinking about this how, however long he was in Paris. Uh, what five, three, five years ago that that happened, and then he hears that 
Adam is back in town. He's going for his mission star. I'm going to try to find a way to work for him. And the, when the moment strikes, I'm going to screw him over. I'm going to get mm-hmm. the man to trust me enough not to taste the food before it goes out to the customers. There's a lot That's, of factors in this plot. There's a lot of effort that went into that. So, you know, props to, props to Michelle. I actually cackled. I, I was laughing at this scene because I was kind of like, good (laughs) i mean is he our best character arc in this whole movie i I think so i think michelle (laughs) is is because he was so under the radar the entire movie like he he had the fist fight at the beginning and then he's he's kind of ride or die with him for for most of the movie and then this happens and honestly i didn't see it coming so it was it was a shocking twist i was like oh my god he got sabotaged by michelle how Mm -hmm. how awesome is that right um and I was just like, yeah, he had the, probably the most significant character arc because Max was supposed to be his ride and die. And you don't see him at all after getting out of jail. Mm-mm. Right. And then the David, the young sous chef that he spent the night in, you don't hear from him for the rest of the movie. Um, and it's all about him and Helene. And but all these other sous chefs surrounding them are, are there. There's no character development in, in there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you never see this this. Uh, sabotage from Michelle coming and it's so <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be but it was so satisfying to watch. <laughs> it really was yes I agree <laughs> it was great um and then this sends Adam on a, a downward spiral right so he he walks out of the restaurant he has that notebook where he's writing down the number of, of oysters he shucked um through his self-penance he throws it in the in the Thames I'm assuming um and then he apparently goes on a bender because the next scene you see him, he goes to Reese's restaurant, either drunk, high, or both, and proceeds to tr- proceeds to put a, a sous vide bag over his head. I, I, I guess trying to suffocate himself. I don't know. Um, an unintentionally funny scene, but it, all the talk about him knocking sous vide and for him to try to. To, to take himself out in a sous vide manner um, yeah. was, was an odd, odd thing. And it, I don't know that, that whole scene was, um, it was just weird. It was just yeah, weird. I agree. And I think now after um, the name of the chef just left me that hung himself, um, Adam Bourdain, Adam Bourdain or Anthony Bourdain. Anthony um, Bourdain. Yeah. Now that it, uh, that's happened, I don't think, the scene would be in the movie any longer. Like, I feel like that would be, it wouldn't be written in that way by any means. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like there is a high rate of suicide and self-injury just again, because our industry is an industry full of addicts and you know, that's, that's not uncommon. Um, and so I don't know the whole thing. It just, it was weird. It was just weird. Yeah, it it was weird. Like, go on a bender, sure. Um, but the, this the that scene where he's putting the bag over his head, because again, you grow to not like this guy the whole time. So he's he's acting like like this, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be a serious um, take on on what you were just talking about with the level of suicide in in high and in kitchens, not just high end kitchens, but just in kitchens in general. But it didn't play that way. I, I, nope. I was watching it and I was I was kind of chuckling to myself. I'm like, you look ridiculous, man. This is right. It, right. This is this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it was that's that's not the emotion you're supposed to elicit out of me in this scene of him striving to to reach this level, failing 
um, and and then having a, a dark night of the soul, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, in, in this way, I, I would have been fine with it if he was just having a bender and then goes to Reese's and rants and raves or whatever, and then passes out on the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. That that would have been perfect. But they had to take this extra overdramatic step of putting a sous vide bag over his head. Mm-hmm. Um, after him knocking it through the whole movie. Yeah. So Reese um, rips the bag off of him. He passes out and then he wakes up literally on the floor of Reese's kitchen. Um, And they, and Reese makes probably the best looking French omelet I've ever seen. Mm. (laughs) Like even, even when you're uh, trying to help somebody with a hangover, the, the chefiness comes out and you're like, Still going to make a perfect omelet. Uh, I don't yep. think, yeah, I it really, looks beautiful. <laughs> it looks so good. I'm like, I, I want to ask uh, Matthew uh, Reese, or Rise, I think is his last name. It's like, how many takes did that take? Like, because mm-hmm. making a French omelet is not easy, right? right. And, and I want to say, okay, that had to have taken a few takes to get that right. And how many mm-hmm. eggs did you go through? And how mm-hmm. frustrating was it? And all that. But it looked great. And uh, they they reminisced about their time at John Luke's with um, Adam, Reese, and Max and Michelle. They all work together. Um, and then Adam finally comes to this realization. He's like, I, he, I messed up with the the Michelin men, and I'm I'm just not I'm not up to the task. And he kind of starts having this you know pity party, woe is me kind of thing. And then Adam asks Reese, like, why why did you help me? You know, we hate each other. Why did you help me? And then Reese responds with. We need you. If you understand that, you wouldn't fight so hard. Then he says that Adam is better than him and he makes them better chefs and then promptly kicks him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's it's re-saying uh, that mutual respect, what you were talking about earlier, that this is the most meaningful relationship in the movie is, yes, Reese hates Adam because of the person that he is, but the chef that he is makes him a better chef because that competition – um, fueled him and made him a better chef. Right. Um, yeah. You know, w- what'd you think about that whole relationship, even though you, you kind of saw it in the beginning, a little bit in the middle, and then here at the end, um, we're kind of all tied together. I think this is one of the, the better of the bad scenes in the movie. Um, just because, I mean, you do grow by watching other people, you know, do better things than you. And I, I firmly live by the motto of don't be the smartest person in the room. So, you know, you want to be challenged by somebody better than you. So I guess this was, I mean, maybe not the better like quality scenes, but maybe the most authentic, like it actually teaches you or reinforces something that's accurate. Maybe this is the only accurate thing in the movie. I don't know. Um, You know, a, a friend of mine that owns a food truck, you know, I was saying that I made my version of something that he made and um, he was like, oh, you know, it's okay. Everybody at this point is copying something that somebody else has done, you know, in culinary. Um, So it's, uh, I guess that fuels a little bit behind it too. But yeah, Yeah. I'd say most authentic conversation in the movie, you could kind of see this happening in real life. Yeah, I would agree with that. This seemed to be the most realistic conversation in the whole movie, like mm-hmm. one that actually felt like it had some heart to it um, and some self-reflection and some uh, self-realization uh, of, of trying to become a better person. Uh, but he, I think he realized he or I think Adam from this point through the rest of the movie, which there isn't much of the movie left after this scene, he became a better person in that one scene than he did shucking a million oysters in New Orleans. Yeah, I'd with, say so. 
Yeah. So, so what was the point of shucking a million oysters again? So that it's, it just comes full circle. Like, I don't know. It's it was in just the really, city of vices. Like, what are you in doing? In the city of vices. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, Adam returns to his kitchen. He finds out, and Marie just happens to be waiting for him and finds out that she paid off the drug dealers. So, again, no consequences to his actions. There's, there have mm-hmm. been no consequences to his actions at all throughout this entire movie, nope. um, ex- except for Michelle. Um, sabotaging his his dish there was no consequences for anything and even after that still no consequences here has somebody there to bail him out once again um but he does have this moment of self-reflection he talks to Anne marie and says look you're better off without me it's going to be a hard long road but slowly i hope to regain everyone's respect and be worthy of your father um you know so that's that's something that should have happened way long ago uh in this movie during the sh- oyster shucking <laughs> time frame, but he didn't realize that until you know he failed at a Michelin chef, uh, trying to get him or trying to get a Michelin star. Uh, mm-hmm. for him. so back in the hotel room, Tony tells Adam that he called the Michelin office to tell them that Michelle sabotaged a dish and, and to please come back out. Uh, well, it Which turns out you can't call and speak to the Michelin manager. Right. He he pulled a Karen, right? So right. Like, or somebody I, in the scoop. Can can admin message me at this exact second or else? Um Exactly. Exactly. So that's not real. Like, you know, there's I don't think there's an eight hundred number in the Michelin guy. Yeah. This is for, for concerns and questions, please call here. Right. Um so if we're like a believe. reevaluation due to sabotage. <laughs> yeah, there's a disclaimer in the in the in the last page <laughs> about that. There's a little asterisk there. If uh if you've been sabotaged. You can call us back. So <laughs> he calls the Michelin office apparently and says that, you know, our, our the chef Michelle sabotaged this. Please come back. It's not a reflection of what we do. Uh, but luckily, it turns out that Michelin didn't send out any inspectors to London that night, that they were two businessmen uh, from, from Birmingham, England that was there that happened to do the exact same actions and behaviors that a Michelin pair would do. Right. Um, You know, coming from Mississippi, the first time that I watched that, I immediately thought of Birmingham, Alabama, obviously. Like, that's that's my association. So I feel like that's a much better mental picture is like two (laughs) random men from Birmingham, Alabama in this Michelin star restaurant and they mistake them for being the Michelin men. So let's. Because you're from Alabama, right? Yeah, so I heard Birmingham, too, and I thought the exact same thing. I thought the exact same thing. It's so much funnier if you think of it that way. (laughs) Right. Two two businessmen from from Birmingham, Alabama, coming to Mm -hmm. London, saying, let me get that foie gras. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I really doubt that's happening, that you can mistake them. Two people from Birmingham, Alabama. So, yes, on second viewing, I was like, maybe they mean Birmingham, England. (laughs) No, no, let's just make a decision. It's Birmingham, Alabama. It's It's got to be that way. (laughs) It's a much funnier movie. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. But I I did honestly thought they meant Birmingham, Alabama the first time I saw it. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, what? (laughs) Oh, jeez. So Adam finally admits uh, he's after he finds that out, he finally admits that he's afraid and he can't do it. Like he finally breaks down those walls of 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 narcissism and says, "Okay, I I can't do it. Right. I I can't do it on my own. Um, And Helene is there and says, oh, you you can't do it and comforts him. You can't do it on your own. Uh, You have me, Conti, David and Max, and we're going to help you and, and we're your family. 
No, you're not. None no. of your none of your family. He doesn't eat family meal with them. He verbally verbally and physically abused the staff. There there right. is no family there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't understand. So then comes a two minute montage of Adam actually being a mentor. There's a young David, the the, the young David chef that he meets at the food stall. He's at the pass. He's actually running the pass. Mm-hmm. The staff's coming together. People are enjoying each other. Adam, they show Adam going to therapy regularly. This should have been the movie. That montage should have been the movie, right? Yeah. The, that that whole thing of of him learning to be a mentor, learning to play well with others, um, learning to come to grips with what he's done and uh, the effect that he's had on other people. That should have been the movie. What so we the got, movie is a little less than 90 minutes, right? So, I mean, yeah. we have another 30 minutes, give or take, for it to be an acceptable, you know, not Marvel Studio-length movie. <laughs> they had so much more time to develop this character. Yeah, so many things you could have cut out and put this stuff in mm-hmm. uh, without it being, you know, the three-hour Return of the King, Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. It, it, so I watched that montage. The first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, my God. This is much more entertaining, and this is much I, – I feel more for him as a character during that two-minute montage than I did the entire hour and 30 minutes before it because it, it shows him being vulnerable. It shows him teaching people. It shows him um, learning how to come to terms with everything, and mm-hmm. why couldn't that have been the movie? Like I, I don't understand. We needed to be lectured on culinary orgasms. I mean, that's just what, like, that's what they wanted to tell us. It's like Gordon Ramsay and Mario Batali made a movie for themselves. Yeah, I could see that. They wanted to see younger, hotter versions of themselves on screen. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. be like, yeah, that's me. That's me, baby. Right. Um, when that's that's not how you tell a story, right? You you tell a story of a of a person that committed some sins, but realizes what he's done and and works hard to earn back the trust of the people that he's betrayed, and how that comes together, and how he at the end of it becomes a better person because of it. Mm-hmm. And we got that in a two little two, two minute little snapshot montage at the end. Um, and, and to kind of enca- encapsulate all that and, and tie a bow on it, the two men in business suits, suits come in again and start the mission and process. And this time it's for real. And Tony comes back to the kitchen and informs Adam it's for it's it's real this time. And the Michelin men are actually here. But instead of Adam going back to what he would have done, which is basically clearing everybody out and let me do it myself and and yelling at everybody, he just responds, "We do what we're going to do, and we're going to do it together." Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how long that montage, the passage of time, that montage was supposed to be, whether it was months, days, weeks, whatever. But that's a that's a really quick turnaround from what we just saw literally a half hour ago of of him like screaming at everybody and manipulating people to get a restaurant and manipulating people to hire staff. And uh, I, I, I just don't believe the redemption arc because of a two minute montage. No, I don't either. Yeah. And then the final shot is of a family meal and Adam finally choosing to sit with the team and eat with them. So, yay. So disappointing. I, it was All so disappointing. This, this whole movie was just really, really bad. Yes. Um, it, it, it just 
I don't know what, what what notes what notes do you have that that you kind of wanted to discuss that that maybe I missed because it, I don't know it it was just really bad. I mean, I don't think that this movie is worthy of really having notes to discuss. Like, it's remarkable that we've gotten through an hour of like us chatting about this because the movie is not good. There is no redeeming quality to it. Yeah, and, and like I said, this is. This movie had too many stars and and too much um, money behind it to to be mm-hmm. this horrible. And and Eater uh, Eater dot com did a scathing review said is is this the worst movie about food ever made? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I yes, think it so. Is. I've never seen a worse one. Yeah. It it was it was really really bad. So. I mean, overall take zero, zero forks that I'm going to give for this movie because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's just so, so bad. So, so guys, if, if you're watching, if you're listening to this and, and you see this, maybe you want to watch it out of morbid curiosity. Maybe you want to see, I don't even think this is early Bradley Cooper because this was only just a few years eight ago. Years ago that, yeah. Yeah, just eight years ago. I don't even think it's early Bradley Cooper. This is Bradley Cooper, you know, on the rise. Sure. But I don't think it's early Bradley Cooper, but, um, yeah, just if you want to watch it a morbid curiosity, then then do that. But I, I would recommend not watching this movie at all. I don't even think it qualifies for that because, like, I love watching bad horror movies to laugh at them. You're not even going to laugh at this movie. You're just going to be mad you wasted 90 minutes. Yeah, and the parts that you are laughing at, you're not supposed to. And, and no. that's the wrong that's the wrong message that a movie wants to portray. So I want to take a la- last couple of minutes, and I, I went through – I went down the rabbit hole of the reviews of this movie, and I pulled mm-hmm. out a few snippets that I thought were really, really funny. Um, Megan Garber from The Atlantic wrote, Burnt is, to be clear, not a good movie. It is, in <laughs> fact, a pretty terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. much it. Uh, and then uh, Sandy Cohen from the Associated Press wrote, unless you want a tremendous side of ego and a hearty helping of yelling, burnt may be a dish to skip. And that's exactly right. Accurate. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was very accurate. It is It is a lot of ego. I mean, it's an hour and a half of ego and then two minutes of humility, mm-hmm. which which I think, again, thinking of who the consultants were in this movie, which is Gordon Ramsay and Mario Batali, it seems to fit. I mean, I, well, Mario Batali. Harvey- Harvey Weinstein, too. And, and Harvey said. Weinstein produced it. Yeah, yeah the, which the explains yeah. the ridiculous amount of abuse from male to female being allowed in this movie. If you want to circle back to bad humans writing scripts, there we go. Yeah. So when I said, man, why is this movie so bad? And I started looking through the credits and I saw that it was Mario Batali and Harvey Weinstein in it. And I'm like, oh, well, that explains mm-hmm. literally everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. It explains that. Um, the the power the the abuse of power by Adam Jones mm-hmm. uh, because that's what Batali and and Weinstein are unfortunately known for now. Be, mm-hmm. uh, they Harvey Weinstein single handedly launched the Me Too movement thanks to him. Right, right. Mario Mario Batali has no empire to speak of anymore. Um, after riding at the high of what you were saying with Food Network and becoming a star there nobody's going to touch these guys with the 10 foot pole. This was at the peak of their career when they were um, producing this movie. And mm-hmm. it is a tremendous amount. They are a tremendous amount of ego with a hearty helping of, of yelling um, yeah. those two. So it, it explains so much of the thought process behind this movie, the, the philosophy of this movie um, that 
I'm going to show how how abusive a person can be, but at the end, I'm just going to give you a little bit of, of goodness to say, oh, mm-hmm. look, I'm not, I'm not get really away that with bad. It. Yeah. yeah, they can get away with it. I'm not really that bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the cost of being a high-end chef is this. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty um, disgusting. It, it's disgusting and it's unacceptable now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one more Peter Bradshaw from the guardian wrote never comes to life with each two dimensional character mouthing platitudes designed to tell you what to think about them. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, that was true too. So yeah, overall bad movie. Um, I agree with the, the 28% rotten tomato score on here. Um, uh, and the audience score of what was it? 45 or something. Yeah. Just, just, just skip it. Um, just scroll right by as, as you take the 45 minutes on Netflix to try to find something to watch. Just, <laughs> just skip right over it. Um, but, you know, thanks for suffering with it with me. Uh, yeah, Brit- twice. Twice because you made me watch it the first time. <laughs> I, I, so so to give you guys some background on how we got here, um, in, in our scoop chat, in our group chat, I said, has anybody ever watched Chef and Burnt back to back? And everybody's like, no, that's weird. <laughs> I and said, I had never seen it. Yeah, I said, do yourself a favor and watch it. The two very diametrically opposite ends of of a food movie, um, which brings us to our, our next refire series. If if uh, the listeners can stand it, we're going to spend one more refire episode comparing and contrasting Chef versus Burnt. Why mm. one did everything right and was so good, and why one was so wrong and was so bad. Uh, so. Look out. You may have to watch it a third time. <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Follow us on socials uh, at, at Rich Herrera is where you're going to find your e- EYC, eat your content um, information. Uh, we'll we'll put that in into the queue at some point. Uh, I got to I got to cleanse out of this right now at the moment. Uh, <laughs> And, and and get something else in my mind before I have to start thinking about burnt again as we mm-hmm. as we compare and contrast. So I, I'm not for sure when we're going to have that out, um, but like, follow, and subscribe so that you're notified of of when it is. Where can people follow you on Instagram uh, or or socials so they can keep up with everything you, you got going on, Brittany? Yeah, personally, it's Brit Spikes 904, and professionally, uh, the Happy Grilled Cheese with lots of underscores in it, and uh, Dine Happy Jacks. Awesome. And if, you, if any listeners are in Jacksonville, uh, join us at The Scoop uh, on Facebook. It's our, our group of Jacksonville foodies, and it's about 74,000 members strong. So you got a mm. lot of people in there with a lot of strong opinions about the restaurant mm. scene in Jacksonville. Everything. Uh, so everything. Even if you're not in the Jacksonville area, follow us on that group. You, you're going to have a good time reading some of this stuff. So Look, my sister waits for the morning post release and then she messages me her thoughts about them <laughs> that's right that's right we have tuesdays and thursdays our designated negative review days our mm-hmm. most entertaining days for for readers the most uh, labor intensive for us as moderators mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's a fun time had by all so oh yeah <laughs> I think we did it. Uh, we trudged through. Uh, so I thank you for your time. And uh, I appreciate you joining me on this on this pod. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.